Hi, I'm Rachel Monteleone and welcome to Kittypedia, the podcast. I'm not an expert. However, I do speak with them with the view of providing you with expert information and advice to help you be the best parent that you can be. Together, let's give children the life they deserve and a positive future. Hello and welcome. Well, as we all know, a well-balanced meal contains a combination of vegetables, protein and veggies. And when trying to encourage and support children who are fussy eaters, you can be lucky enough for them to eat just one of those alone. And that could be on a good day. Now, pre-plating children's meals has long been known as a practical way for parents to try and provide a solid nutritional foundation. However, the question remains, how beneficial is this method? And is there something else that we can be doing to try and help encourage and foster fussy eaters' interest and enthusiasm towards food? Well, that's exactly what we're here to discuss today with our special guest and our resident expert in fussy eating, Marie-France Laval. Now, Marie-France is a dietitian and nutritionist and counsellor originally from France, and she's also the CEO of Fussy Eater Solutions, where she offers a range of online and in-home programs to support fussy eaters and their families. Thank you so much for joining us and welcome back. How are you doing? Good. How are you, Rachel? Oh, excited as always to be speaking with you. And um, oh, this is, as I was just saying just before, I mean, this is a really interesting topic and something I really enjoy doing the, the preparation work on. And I'm not sure many parents would have maybe connected the dots between, you know, how they pre-plate their children's meals and the behavior of fussy eating. But I'm really looking forward to getting stuck into all of this and learning all about this uh, with you um, today. But before we do that, of course, I always just want to acknowledge that we published your article titled, Are Pre-Plating Meals Failing Your Fussy Eater? Now, for someone who hasn't read the article yet, can you please tell us what it's about and of course, what inspired you to write it? Yeah, so I always want to know um, how we... um how and why we eat. So I'm really interested in the different type of ways that we serve meals, um, depending on where we live. So there's definitely an Anglo-Saxon way that I was really interested to understand better. Um, And so the article is about this, you know, I'm always contacted by parents who struggle with feeding their kids and parents who try to do the best, who do um, provide this meal and free veg, which is the Australian way to look at that pre-plated meal. Um, and encounter all sorts of resistance from their children. Um, So I was really interested to understand what else can be offered to these parents and their kids. Love it. So let's get stuck into this then. Could you just explain to us then what is pre-plating and where does it come from? Yeah. So it's a very interesting topic for anthropologists and um, social sociologists to, uh, to look at. So uh, the article was based on the work of Claude Fischler, who is a French um, a sociologist, um, and who compares usually America and France and the way that food is um, served. Um, and not only that, also the way that um, mealtimes are structured. And so he says, you know, we have been looking purely at, at serving food from a nutrition angle. So I 
called it the nutrition obsession on the plate. So yes, we say, okay, you know, this is what foods, these are the foods that we need to be healthy. And so therefore we are going to put them on the plate. Um, and that's a very Anglo-Saxon approach that probably started in England and the US. Um, yep. And the US has applied this for many, many years. He says, you know, it's been a hundred years of plating food with a bit of a nutrition knowledge in the back of our minds, certainly dietetics gotcha. has yep. dictated what we, how we eat. Um, and in France and some most of the countries in Europe, it's been very different. We have had a tradition that goes back to Louis the Fourteenth of putting the food in the middle of the table wow. and having people help themselves. So based on that, there's not a lot of attention as to what people may be consuming. In fact, based on, and you know, I talk a lot about conviviality, but based on having people gathered around the table, having a moment that is pleasant and convivial, you would not know at the end of the meal who has eaten what, um, because you wouldn't really be able to see what they served themselves. Yes. Um, the English plate is very different to that. At the end of the meal, you are going to see what's left on the plate for sure. I understand. So let me get this right. So would it be right to say that pre-plating here in Australia, we know this as our meat and three veg. So basically that we would um, set the plate for our guests, for our children, for our family, and we have to eat what's on the plate in order to be healthy. Um, And then when we do pre-plate that, um, as you've mentioned before, that we seek to provide specific nutrients um, like we said, the meat and three veg. So on our plate, so we have that sense of understanding what nutrition we're, we're sort of um, having within that meal. Would that be the best way for us to un- understand that in the here and now? It's exactly. Yeah, it is exactly that. It's based on the same tradition and the same pressure, if you like, yep. that is put upon us through um, our understanding of healthy eating. And so it may gotcha. vary from one family to the next, but it's definitely based on what is a healthy, nutritious meal. Meal. But, I mean, that in itself, the pre-plating seems so practical. So realistically, what's what's sort of wrong with that then? Yeah, so I, I agree. It is practical um, and it seems to um, relieve us of our um, questioning as to yeah. you know, whether they've done the, we've done the job for our kids. So absolutely it's practical and a lot of time we'll serve our kids um, and w- we don't really have the time to sit with them. So it's a very different system to the uh, um, serving the meals, the family style serving, which is from the middle of the table, which I described a bit more in the article. So um, it is problematic. Um, And let me give you a few examples because it's always interesting to me how, you know, parents struggle with kids who, for example, will not sit down at mealtime. Um, and these kids will come around the table, they will assess what's on their plate, and then they will go into overdrive, often based on their anxious feelings about what it is that is on the plate that they have to eat. Because they, they can see what's on the plate and they get the yeah, anxiety because, yeah. They know that there is an expectation because the parent has done their job with regards to nutrition. So everybody gets anxious. The parents get anxious because they know that, the peas, for example, are not going to be eaten. And the child gets anxious because he can see the peas on the plate waiting for him. 
so that's a big problem with even just getting kids to come to the table, even getting them to come to sit down, um, especially those anxious ch children. I want to give you an example that's a bit more, you know, it's still based on the peas and carrots. Uh, one of the family I worked with recently, they told me, you know, we don't understand. We, we're doing our job of exposure. We provide the right food every day. And for example, we've been putting on this plate peas and carrots every day, which is, you know, you're told to do that. You're told to uh, make sure that your child is exposed to a variety of food regularly so that after 15 times, 30 times, they will eat the peas and carrots. It's just not working for us. And But another way to look at this is that, you know, this child has been having this reaction every time this is peas and carrots, he's become really anxious about peas and carrots, and they come back every day. In a way, it, it's almost harassment by peas and carrots, you know. I understand. So we need to be able to, to work out how to best support our kids, and certainly in that case, that's not supporting them. Yes. So, okay, I just wanted to clarify. So I understand most feeding specialists now recommend serving food without pre-plating to, to be able to help making, I guess, the meal time a little bit more pleasant. So what I'm hearing, and tell me if this is right, so what's causing pre-plating to go from practical to problematic is when the child um, knows it's, it's dinner time or they're about to have their meal and they can see that their parent has got their plate ready for them. And on that plate, as a fussy eater, they've established, okay, there's peas and carrots and that's already causing them anxiety well before they sit down and have their meal. And that's when it's going, as I said, from practical to problematic that at the end of the day, they can already say, great, mum's serving me this particular food and I, I already know I don't want that. And it's, as you said, it's almost a harassment and you're sort of antagonising the child by expecting them to sit down and eat that food that they already know they don't like or they don't want and or is that what I'm, did I hear that right at all? Yes, absolutely is the case. And I really wanted to acknowledge in the article that it is practical it makes a lot of sense for all of us. Yeah. Um, and so, and you have to imagine yourself in the shoes of the mm -hmm. parents because already this child, this child is really fussy. Yes. And so you know that they have a limited amount of food that they will eat. And you want to get somewhere with these um, more difficult foods, like the peas and carrots in this case. Yep. Um, and so everyone in this case is in the tremendous pressure. I was talking to a mom again two days ago who said, you know, she feels terrible shame and judgment by others. It's really difficult. Of course it is. But I, I and, and that and what we're here to do is to be able to support um, the families as much as possible. Um, so there is, it seems like an easier way. And so what is or another way, another way. Uh, um, but what is the difference with families' style serving uh, and otherwise known as the, the European way, which you mentioned earlier, of serving meals? And But how is this not equally, um, from a nutritional perspective, obsessed and focused? Um, yeah. yeah, okay. Uh, well, look, um, so the family style service is now recommended by most specialists that I know of even though we all agree that, yes, plating is practical, um, saves time to family. Um, but it's just a very, it it's just can be as good from a nutritional perspective, um, particularly um, since you are going to serve very similar foods to what you would serve usually. So we're not asking, I guess I'm not recommending that people go into overdrive and start serving a 15-course meal uh, at all. 
Um, but um, serving from the middle of the table means having the food that you would plate in a dish or in the pan in the middle of the table and letting kids help themselves. Now we have a child who's really empowered, who can go and grab the food that he or she can eat. Um, and that helps build confidence. And you're still getting that exposure, but because the food is not coming onto your plate, it's not, you're not feeling so anxious about it. You're not feeling, it's almost like threatened by the food. And there are so many reasons why that happens mm -hmm. with kids in their developmental stages or simply their sensory sensitivities around food. Okay. So having that choice for children means that parents don't have so much choice and so much control themselves that they can still put this piece and put this piece and carrots in the middle of the table. The best thing they can do, parents, is eat the peas and carrots so they can model this that this is part of the family food. Demonstrate. And the next thing would be not to serve them every day, but to alternate that with the other range of vegetables, for example, that they really like to eat. Gotcha. So the so, European way is to is to um, serve in the middle of the table, um, all of all of the different foods available for, for that particular meal. So it's known as a family-style serving. Is that right? And this way there's yeah. little to no expectation that the child would eat one um, specific food um, and or a collection that they have the choice of saying, okay, this is what is for dinner tonight and I actually just, I just want this. I don't want to be forced to have to eat exactly all of these things in a combination of all of these things on my plate. Is that what I'm hearing? Definitely about reducing the pressure. So let's, let's talk again about this child who does not want to sit at the table. I encourage parents to teach their child to sit at the table happily um, and without stress. So if the food is not pre-plated, it's more likely that the child will come especially if in the range of food he can recognize from a distance something he can eat and help himself or herself too. So we definitely want to improve sitting and that's a good way to do it. I sit time and time again when I visit families and the kids will not sit. Once we remove the food, put an empty plate, they'll come running and much and be less stressed and, and worried about what they will have to perform because if you have to perform a task of eating under uh, the guidance of the pre-plated plate and perhaps the pressure from parents, it makes, you know, it makes the whole eating experience really tough, really challenging for kids. So that's definitely one way to look at it, to make sure that kids will come and sit down quite happily. Um, and there's several things that I would like to say about the, the food in the middle of the table um, and because one family I saw last night and we, we've been talking about doing this, um, they were putting one food in the middle of the table that the child could not really recognise. Um, that is not really helpful. So we need to, be to, to think about the meat and free veg in that way. So we'd have perhaps the meat component in a dish um, that could be, um, let's say, a curry, for example, which the child is not going to eat properly um, and then the free veg may be a side of veggies um, and then I would always say you know we probably need two carbs so it could be a side of rice and a side of bread that the child will happily meet, um, eat um, and then we need to think about either a second course or all of the food at the same time on the table so for example um, a fruit um, a side of fruit um, a fruit plate for example and um, 
and some yogurt or a side of cheese and crackers and a dessert. So we need to have pretty much the same components that we would have plated, but in either a whole a one course with all these dishes or a main course and a second course. The second course, when it is a dessert or cheese or yogurt or fruit, is never extra work. It's meant to be grabbed in the fruit basket or in the fridge. The work is the same. It's the uh, main dish that the parents have prepared. That's what I was going to ask. So the family style of serving, is it is it not more work for, for the family to do that? No, actually, um, it is not. Um, and you'll find that you waste less food because you can really, if kids are going to be helping themselves to what they can eat, um, then they'll have the opportunity to eat better with their let's say their dessert or their fruit and their yogurt. So to eat to satisfaction, because we want to get to satisfaction at mealtimes rather than a very reasoned um, kind of way to look at the food, which is very, you know, about our understanding or trying to get the right food in or trying to write the to get the right quantities in. We're yeah. trusting the child. Um, and then, you know, whatever is left can go, can be saved, um, be stored in the fridge. You, um, the parent, you may use that again, reheat it, take it to work, you know, so there's less waste um, actually by doing that. Um, And portion serving, the idea that we need to eat a certain portion, that again is really based on dietetics, but there's actually research that shows that by plating some people, um, plating portions, some people may, may be overeating, for example. Yes. So it's not really useful in that way. You have to eat with, we talk about intuition a lot more these days, you know, to know what your body is telling you. That's why I talk a lot about satisfaction yes. during a meal. Yeah. So so you're saying that the, the family way of serving supports fussy eaters but in that respect, but, I mean, how can parents start to introduce this? How, how would they start, I mean, what, where, where, where would they start really? Yeah, so they would start with um, really trying to think about what it is they serve during the week, um, what foods they like as well, because I want parents to be able to think about the foods that they like, the food that they would like their children to be able to eat one day. If these foods are ruled out, um, then how do we expect these kids to come around eventually? So the kids have to see these foods. That's why I was talking about the curry. Um, you can do this different ways. You can think of um, having meals that are really super easy and are very children-oriented, for example, throughout the week. And you could have more challenging meals where you will have your curry. But as I said, there will be the two carbs, there will be the food, there will be the yogurt. So we're looking always about four or five food groups at any given meal so that the kids can eat to their heart content. We want to have some satisfaction. Um, when kids are really, really stuck, and I do work with kids who are on, um, on the spectrum, so we, we need to see where they are. You know, some kids are so limited that the family meal is extremely challenging. So can we incorporate that bread that they eat? Or sometimes it's the crackers that they'll eat. Um, we cannot fall in the trap of serving the same food day in, day out, even if the child is eating that food. So we need to build a set of food that we can rotate 
um, throughout the week, and I would have been safe throughout two weeks. Yes. The kids need to see different adaptations of the chicken that they would eat, for example, um, so that they can open up, be stretch a little bit. And that is even if they don't eat it, they still need to see what it's going to look like because one day we expect that they will be ready to eat it. So serving from the middle of the table, sorry, is really non-confrontational and it still should provide food that kids can eat. And so would you suggest that um, parents should start by sitting the children down and giving the child an empty plate? Um, Because I understand from about the age of two, many children can start helping themselves with food um, and the parent can support them um, once they're seated to be able to put the the, the food onto their plate. And it seems like this really leaves a lot of room for the children to be able to eat intuitively. Um, Would you say that at all? Absolutely. And I would say... Um, I have visited uh, many, many uh, childcare centres where kids mm. are plating for themselves. So I've seen that from the age of two, not a problem. It's feasible. They make a bit of a mess, but it's um, it's actually lovely to watch. Um, and that really says, you know, I, I'm serving myself. That Kids are empowered. And I know it's a buzzword, but it really does say that. Yeah. Um, and so it's very useful to have that anti-plate and for kids to help themselves. Of course, parents are facilitators I love to use that word with my families you know what how can you facilitate do you need to help serve do you need to help cutting do you need to charge the spoon or the fork for a very young child who's really struggling who has been struggling with eating so that they can be very independent the more independent the better you know I start working with families whose kids are fed watching tv for example or screen and so down the line, can we get to a child who's happy to sit down and is feeding himself or herself? That's progress. I, I think the happy is is the most important word. And I've heard that so many times with what you've been saying today, because this is sort of taking away the anxiety. This is taking away the stress and replacing that with a sense of control and happiness. And physiologically, our brain, our, our minds and our stomachs are connected. We know that as, as adults and throughout our lives, if we've been stressed, of course, the, the first thing that we do, we don't eat because our mind and our stomach are connected. Now, on the flip side of that, if a child is seated and they feel empowered and they feel happy and they feel a little bit more in control, and as you mentioned before, they some fussy eaters can feel harassed if they are seated and their, their meal is pre-plated for them. Um, on the flip side of that, if they can sit and see that their plate is empty and they have the power of choice, naturally the, their stomach and their mind are going to be connected and relaxed and they're more likely to eat more food and 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 be more open. Would you, would you say, or am I just rambling? Oh, um, not, no, no, I, not only I would say that, but I see it. And I also see parents who just finally find that they can relax. Yes. Uh, because when, um, you know, um, you need, I mean, I guess you need to be guided and supported you as the parent. Um, and it's difficult to really manage food and manage meals and you're busy and you're running around. So yeah. um, it, it's just a new way to look at it, but it requires you to agree to give some power away yeah. to your child um, and that's a big deal initially but you'll understand very quickly when you have a really fussy eating eater that you cannot control what they eat you yep. cannot force them you cannot get them to eat something that they do, they do not want to eat 
you know, oh. I see babies who will clamp their little mouths. So yes, you the sooner you give some power, the better. And I wanted to ask also, I mean, how do pre-plating equally influence um, obesity and a really unhealthy relationship with food that uh, develops in childhood and can really last an entire lifetime? Um, because I mean, Yeah, I think that was based on the work by Claude Fischler who said, you know, we've had 100 years and more of dietetics-based pre-plating in the U.S., yet the U.S. is one of the world leaders in obesity. So how does that equate? You know, he, that's his, that's his um, um, conclusion. Mm. Um, and so a lot of his work is based also on saying, so we're obsessed with nutrition and we plate, um, but then we don't have structure, and which is something I always say too, you know, we don't, so the Americans, for instance, if you look at the way they eat, and it's so interesting, I'm going to use my finger so people who watch the video will see my finger go like this. But if you look at the, the times that people eat in France, uh, you will see uh, above 50, 60% of the population is having lunch at the same time. So the country stops, comes to a halt, everybody's having lunch. And then dinner is the same peak. Everybody is having dinner at the same time. And then if you look at what's happening in the US, it's like this. So people are eating at all times. There's no structure. So you're not listening to your appetite. You're not listening to uh, your intuition when it comes to food. You just basically eat at all times. So we have on the one hand the obsession with nutrition and complete disorganization. Uh, it's really the cartwheel and the horse. Which one do you put first? Mm. You know. But if you don't have the structure, you definitely are losing the battle here. Because you yes. can never learn to listen to your appetite. Um, so um, that's also what I teach my family is that we need to have the structure. We need to have some better sitting down, happy, yes. happy kids at the table so that things can come together, so that, play, um, so that uh, serving, family style serving can come and deliver when kids are ready. It seems like, you know, the pre-plating is like eating almost becomes like a, a duty and a job. And we all know there's nothing worse than being forced to do something that we don't want to do. And it's that whole, um, that uh, I guess the script, you know, of saying to children, don't leave the table until you finished your plate. You know, I've, I've um, seen those television television commercials with that Noom and I find that really interesting where they aim to create that long-term results through habits and behavior change by working with psychology which I think is which is very interesting um, I'm not sure if they're a US-based company on the back of what you've just been saying but um, understanding the behaviors that we have of course are conditioned in our childhood but it's one of the television commercials where the guy mentions he's part of the clean the plate club and suggests that he would um you know, he'd, he'd be likely to work with Noom to, to be able to break that cycle from his childhood and those habits that have been deeply ingrained in him since he was a child. But as parents and carers, you know, we really have such a strong influence on our children's relationship with food and that conditioning, don't you think? It's it's our job as parents and carers to ensure that what we're conditioning their mind is, uh, and from, from, the, from the young ages, is, is so critically important, don't you think? Yeah, and um, when I talked about this mom who said that she was ashamed, that she was feeling judged, you know, um, she was, she felt like she was failing a child when it comes to nutrition, it's a huge pressure. And so we are formatted here in, in our country to really um, deliver when it comes to nutrition and our children. But um, I think 
it's an important piece. I'm happy I actually finally wrote it because um, it doesn't deliver in the case of really extremely fussy eating children for starters. And also um, I wanted to show that there's, there are different alternatives and they're not based on nutrition or on our nutritional obsession. They're based on bringing relaxed kids to the table who can then go on and eat a variety of foods um, in their own time. Um, I actually put this reel on my Instagram about two or three days ago about, um, because this family that I've been working with um, said, okay, we've done the two courses and we've started to work with, to, to serve vegetables first in our course, in our courses and our meals. And that's really worked very well with our kids. So I was thinking about that and I had this laugh and I thought, you know what, this is really how I grew up. Because in France, we understood as kids the structure of the meals. My reel on my Instagram is based on that, you know, what we were served as kids. And I think, oh, my God, these starters are so 70s, um, you know, like the grated carrots, uh, like the macedoine de legume, which is um, um, vegetables in mayonnaise. Uh, we were served... Um, um, melon with um, prosciutto around it um, and so I've put the whole list of, of tomato salad I remember my grandmother would always first course would be tomato salad and I probably didn't eat this for years but I understood the structure of the meal I knew that second course I would be definitely be able to to feed myself I knew that there was bread on the table. We ate a hell of a lot of bread in France and canteens still have a, lot, a hell of a lot of bread on demand on the table during the meals. So kids work it out. They work how to feed themselves from what's on offer. And yes, you know, you grow up and you find that that tomato salad as a starter is delicious. Yeah. But it took you a while to get there. Yeah. All of this is really it's fascinating and gives us a really good reason to understand how and why and the conditions and, and I guess the stories that we're telling children uh, and what habits um, that, that I guess will eventuate from them. Um, but I just wanted to just revisit one more thing that you mentioned. You always recommend the inclusion of a second course, as you said, um, such as bread, crackers, cheese, or yogurt, fruit, or dessert at the end. So I just wanted to clarify um, why this is and if um, and what I heard from my understanding is that you find that it supports children to learn um, how to eat better at meal times and when children feel satisfied at the end of the meal I guess they can learn that meal time and 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 sitting down in in that manner where they sort of have that European style way in family feeding that they can actually feel good and build I guess that confidence um, and have just that empowerment to be able to approach any challenging food as well is that what you're saying is that, is that what you yeah. said did I hear that right yeah and and look I, I like to think about all of us today if we can reflect on this you know when you're really hungry and you sit down and have food you feel better we want to be able to understand and appreciate these feelings as adults to feel and understand what it must be like for a child who is so stuck that they will stop themselves from eating at the dinner table. Mm. And then it will come back in two hours to ask you for food because they're starving and they really cannot go to bed like this. And then you will give in. So why not have the foods on the table in the first place as part of your structure so that kids can eat better? Um, I'm not a sweet tooth. I didn't do a lot of dessert in my home. My 
daughter is actually uh, a sweet tooth herself. And I've let her explore this ever since she was little because I could see that it was part of her genetic makeup somehow. So I'm not a sweet tooth at all. You cannot really tempt me with a piece of cake, but you can tempt me with savory stuff, no, no problem. Um, and so um, based on that and based on some of the families I can see sometimes, I mean, I will say, you know, desserts are a good idea since you guys in your family eat desserts. It makes a lot of sense, especially with kids who are so limited and have a stomach that's really tiny due to their little appetite. So desserts may be a good idea. And then you vary the desserts and you vary fruit, I mean, and you implement fruit. And, you know, um, I like the idea of, for example, um, one of my families, they, they're making yogurt parfaits at, um, for dinner. And that's part of the second course. So it is scary for parents when they think, oh, my God, my child is only eating the yogurt and the bread. But they need this time to develop the skills and the confidence around other food. It's the changing of habits. Yeah, and it takes time. Obviously, anything learning something new doesn't necessarily happen straight away. So just to, to, to keep going until, you know, I guess the change takes place. This has been an awesome chat today. If you were to summarize your key messages for anyone watching and listening, what would they be? I would say today, watch your child. Are they running away from the dinner table? Are they really stressed? Are they anxious? Do they struggle to sit down? Then do they sit down and you put something on their plate and they arch their back or they start crying or they complain or they throw the food on the ground? Is it time you thought, you, you considered whether that's working for you? If, it's, if it is working for you, then by all means keep doing it. But if it's not working for you and certainly not for your children, is it time you you had a change of yes. and, and you and you gave some power away awesome look if anyone's got any questions and or would like to reach out to you um whereabouts can they find you so they can find me at fassyeater.com.au they can find me on instagram because i'm really trying to do to put a lot more work into my instagram on um fussy eater solutions on instagram yeah, and they, of course, can book a 15-minute uh, um, assessment um, free online with me via my website. Okay, and we'll have all of those um, links and handles in the show notes. A pleasure and honour, as always, Marie-France. Thank you so much for all your wisdom and knowledge today. I've absolutely loved chatting with you. And as always, cannot wait to have a chat again in the not-too-distant future. Until then, take care and stay safe. See ya. Thanks, Rachel. Bye. I'm Rachel Monteleone, and you've been listening to Kittypedia, the podcast. You can have full access to Kittypedia by visiting our website at kittypedia.com.au or following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. We're all here to help make the world a better place for our children and for generations to come. You can start today by helping us reach other parents by going to Apple Podcast, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast thank you for listening and be sure to give my love to the kids.